once again, and welcome back to Getting to the Top, where we interview transformational leaders about their leadership journey in hopes that we either inspire you on your own leadership journey or you learn something that helps to get you to the next level. So thank you so much. Today, I have none other than a friend and a fun person to hang out with, quite honestly. I have Karina Coburn. Karina, please introduce yourself. Hi, Raquel. It's great to be here. My name is Karina Coburn. I am the country manager for the Inter-American Development Bank in Trinidad and Tobago. Quite a mouthful, but um, really wonderful organization, the IDB, and I'm very, very proud to represent them here in TNT. Wonderful. So, you know, I met you what seems like 100 years ago back in Jamaica, where you were doing all sorts of things to inspire um, young women and young leaders. And so, so how did you, how did you get started? How did you end up here? Tell us about this journey. Wow. A hundred years ago. Wow. <laughs> it could be a hundred years ago. That's true. Um, because we've lived so much life since, since we first met. Um, right. So after returning to Jamaica, after, um, I think I'll start there, maybe. <laughs> I'll start. Um, okay. My career started at the Ministry of Finance in Jamaica. Yes. And that was service that you had to do because you were... No, no, <laughs> no? not at all. Not at all. I, I was luckily, lucky enough to um, earn a scholarship to do my graduate studies. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't bonded in any way. Okay, and so I this is my... the Rhodes Scholarship. Correct. So, Correct. yes, so this is a so... Rhodes Scholar we're talking to, guys. <laughs> so, yes, I was lucky enough to go to um, Oxford University for my graduate studies. Um, but my first degree was at University of the West Indies, Mona Campus. Beautiful. In my home country of Jamaica. I'm a daughter of Jamaica. <laughs> and... Um, right out of um, college, right out of my first degree in management studies. It was at the beginning of the downturn in the financial sector in Jamaica. So a very interesting time, but also a very challenging time for people who had deposited a lot of their life savings in the local financial sector. So um, a, a pretty challenging time in, in the economic history of Jamaica. Yeah. And so um, many of the banks which would have hired people like me were, were winding down their management trainee programs. And so we had to start looking further afield to thinking about where you could go with a management studies degree. Mm. And a friend of mine, he's still a pretty close friend, was already working at the Ministry of Finance. I never thought of working with government for some reason. Right? It just wasn't in the whole career trajectory or plan. So um, what was on the plan? So you're, you're, we're going to stick a pin and we're going to come back correct. to the Ministry of Finance. So what was in the plan? Like you were a little girl and you decided you, you were going to be... What? Well, as a little girl, it's funny. Someone just asked me that question today. As a little girl, I thought I was going to be a nurse. Really? It was so nice. You know, the, the outfits were all white and neatly pressed. 
And I thought, yes, this was a way that I was going to really help people. Yeah. And they seemed so kind. And I was going to be a nurse. Nice. And then I found out what the actual caregiving process involves. <laughs> and you're like, no, that's too tough. No. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do this. <laughs> Plus, you know, the sciences weren't necessarily for me. So as as I grew up, I realized that I was going to go um, into a business career. Mm-hmm. And so the intention was to go into, into something in the financial sector. But I never thought that I would be in public service, never thought of it at all. At um, but of course, um, in a way, necessity led me to, to search further fields to, to begin my, my career in, in, in Kingston, Jamaica. And a friend of mine said, listen, we have vacancies down at the Ministry of Finance. Come and submit your resume and, and do an interview here. And so um, actually uh, they, they were hiring, they eager to have fresh young graduates out of UWE. And I started at the, at the Ministry of Finance in the domestic debt division. I remember that. I was an wow. economist in the mm-hmm. domestic debt division. We're going to come back to that huh? because, I mean, I think Jamaica is <laughs> doing some amazing things right now as it relates to debt management. And, you know, whether, whether, you're, still, whether you're still sort of informed by that experience. Absolutely. Well, I mean, to be honest, um, in hindsight, mm-hmm. the experience gained in, in government was actually absolutely brilliant and useful for the job I'm doing right now. Of course, because yeah. in, in the IDB, you're, you're really an international civil servant. Um, so it's, it's definitely in line with the experience that I started to gain in, in, in that role. Yes, yes, yes. So you, you come into the Ministry of Finance, all fresh face bright-eyed and bushy-tailed what were your what did your parents think at this point you know did, was this you know were they in awe were they like well we'll see where she ends up what, what were they thinking at this point <laughs> well they asked me if it's true that you get a glass you get a glass with government of Jamaica on it <laughs> and I think it's a, a towel there's something you get as a first time civil servant in, in Jamaica. And I got those things like that. Okay. <laughs> Whatever That's they heard, life. the rumors <laughs> were true. <laughs> so you get a glass and a towel. <laughs> so we, we got, we definitely got everything that we, we thought we were supposed to get when we came in. Lovely. Um, you know, but they were open to it. They okay. were open to it. Um, you know, at that time, I, I wasn't really thinking with an entrepreneurial mindset about starting my own business. You know, this is a thing that happens, I guess, fortunately or unfortunately, out of our school system. The, the thinking is you're going to come out of school and get a good job. Yes, yes, yes. And so, um, you know, that led me to the Ministry of Finance. And um, at first, you know, you don't get anything to do, right? So you have a lot of time on your hands you have time to read the papers cover to cover somebody's I, your supervisor is on leave for six months I can't imagine <laughs> I cannot imagine you in a role 
without a lot to do. I feel like you'd have been Listen, like, okay, I'm gonna create stuff. <laughs> well, create that's stuff exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. So, um, you know, we had a few, maybe two, three months of like long lunch breaks <laughs> and really attending meetings to get a sense of how the whole place worked. And sometimes your supervisor isn't just, is just not there. Oh, wow. Right, because you have long leave. Yes, you know, yes. Because a lot or of something. people build up all kinds of service over right. time and have to work out that leave. Yeah. Correct. And then, you know, they give you a few things to do and then they realize, oh, this person, you know, seems to space. be yeah. churning out some stuff. So let's give her a little more. And then eventually you find you really have a lot to do because, yeah. you know, the resources are never sufficient in the government service to do yeah. everything that needs to be done. Yes. So, um, you know, I was in that role, I would say maybe a year to two years. Um, and while I was in that role, I encountered the office of the minister because I would produce this report that had to be taken by the minister to parliament to report on the domestic debt of the country at the time. Mm -hmm. Do you remember and, what the debt levels were at that time? Oh, I can't remember that. I can't remember. But I, but I do know that um, we kept a very um, tight monitoring and, and hold on the amounts. Mm -hmm. And, and it, was, it was transparent because we yeah. used to report on it okay. um, frequently to the parliament. So, um, so that was instructive in itself. So having worked on that, I, I came into contact with the advisor to the Minister of Finance. Mm -hmm. I'd never met the minister. And she actually got an opportunity to study abroad. Mm -hmm. And so she had to find her replacement. That's okay. the kind of person the minister was. So he said, you have to find your replacement. And <laughs> so she called me. <laughs> exactly. And so she called me one day and said, would you consider a job like this? Wow. And I said, yes, but is it a political job? Right. Right. And yeah. she said, no, it's a technical job. Mm -hmm. And you should come in and meet with him. And um, this was Dr. Omar Davies at the time. Ah, I've met him. And so you come in, meet with him and see, see how it goes. Yes. So she arranged the meeting and I went in to meet with him. You know, and he was all busy. There were people around. You know, and I'm sitting there. So it wasn't like he stopped his work to have an interview with me. Like, yes. This was like in between some other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like signing papers and scribbling, you know, and he's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you think you can do this job? Why do you think you can do this job? <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, well, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I can do this job because, um, you know, I care about this country. Oh, wonderful. Such and also, and also um, I'm really interested in learning. And I am a person who works very quickly and I can get things done. Yeah. So he says, okay, all right. Um, do you have any questions for me? And I said, yes, is this a political job? <laughs> do I have to join the People's National Party to be in this job? Yeah. And he said... As long as you're a professional, you can work for me. Okay. So that was it. That was okay. the interview. That I, was it. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what, what to make of that, but that was the interview. 
<laughs> I I imagine he trusted um, Dina. This was this was her name. Dina yeah. Heaven was the my predecessor, uh-huh. and I imagine he trusted her. Right. So she thought or he liked it. or he liked what he saw in me from this little moment. Yes, that you and, were brave I mean, and, and concerned, <laughs> brave, passionate, and concerned. I guess so. And we worked together for many years. I mean, Wonderful. he was my first, my first mentor. Wonderful. So, and it was just an awesome experience for a young person, for that to be your first job. Yeah. You know, and, and I, assist, I assisted him with all his travel, all his meetings, several projects. And I mentioned that this was at the moment where the financial sector was entering crisis mode. Yeah. yeah. And several institutions collapsed. So it, it really was a, a remarkable moment to be in that space. Of course. But even still, like, you know, when, when we look back now, and it's always, you know, hindsight, yeah? when you look back now, I feel like that period, as tumultuous as it was, it made Jamaica so strong because you're seeing oh, yes. some of that that discipline now, that, listen, we understand what it is to be on the back foot. We understand what it is to be economically challenged. And we will make sure that we do what we need to do in order to be better on the other side. No, absolutely. I mean, we learn so much. Yeah. Um, I, I think one of the things that really stood out to me at the time when many of the institutions collapsed, mm-hmm. we we decided to tour the country, the minister toured the country to speak with all of the depositors and policyholders across the country in their communities. Wow. And that's brave, eh? And we heard a lot of the stories of people putting up their savings, people who had been abroad and returned, Mm -hmm. invested their savings. And at that time, we didn't have a deposit insurance scheme. Yeah. So people really lost everything. Lot, yeah. And they, they didn't speak about losing everything. They spoke about how they got everything. Yeah. The, the nights that they spent working because Jamaicans work really hard. Of course. You know, this yeah. is a Caribbean story, right? Yes, Caribbean yes, people, yes. you know, hard you go, working. you leave your home yeah. and you go to another country to really advance. Yeah you know, and, and, and there's a lot of sacrifice that, that goes in there. And what it taught me is that at the center of policy and the things we do uh, in public service, it's about people. Of course. It's not just numbers on a page where you're adding and subtracting and this doesn't affect anybody. This is, these are people. The stakes are really high. Who, whose, whose lives yeah. are really being affected. Yeah. And I think it awoke in me that kind of, of sense of civic responsibility, yeah. that these things are important. Yeah. And, and as a public servant, you really have a very important impact on, on citizens and, yeah. and their lives. So true, so true. So you mentioned entrepreneurship, and I, I, I definitely want to continue to go through um, and I, I do feel like it's different now where kids coming out of school, they're, they're at least making them far more aware of their options, including entrepreneurship Absolutely. as an option. But I know that you do a lot to support entrepreneurs in Trinidad, and you have been very, very deliberate about that. And so tell me a little bit about what, what 
what inspires you to do that? Why, why do you find entrepreneurship so important? So I, I think that everyone's contribution to the economy is important. Yeah. Having said that, the path to real generational wealth yeah. has to do with being an entrepreneur, owning and generating income in your own business. Yeah. I, I honestly believe that. Yeah. And actually, when I started with the bank, I know we're jumping ahead a bit yes. over some other career steps. But when <laughs> I started in the bank, I started in a program called the Multilateral Investment Fund, which is now IDB Lab. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the whole purpose, to invest in small businesses and help them to grow and thrive. Yeah. And, and what I see there is a successful economies um, based on you know, ingenuity, innovation, and an entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. And, and without that, you know, even though everyone's role is important, you have public servants, you have private sector, corporate enterprises that employ thousands of people, yeah. you have to have your entrepreneurs for the economy to really leap yes. forward. Absolutely true. So, all right. So we'll go back now. It's a bit, you're leaving. <laughs> are we confusing? Are we confusing the viewers, Raquel? Yes, we're confusing the listeners. <laughs> but this is, this is it. I want to keep you on your toes. You're going to have right, to keep right. up. So you okay. leave the Ministry of Finance, and then what's the next role? Right. So I headed off to Oxford to do um, uh, a master's in in um, and and masters in business administration. So this mm-hmm. was a, a whole story in itself because it was the second year of the MBA, the Oxford MBA, because okay. Oxford is not known for doing MBAs. You know, right. this this was brand new, and actually our classes were in an infirmary. Okay. So we were passing, you know, bodies and so on, <laughs> getting <laughs> <for> surgery. <laughs> That was a whole thing. So anyway. So look at that. You came full circle and you almost, almost, well, almost got to be a nurse, right? So very close. But anyway, so I headed off and super, super important experience, right? Just yeah. interfacing with people from all around the world yeah. and, and being part of something which was very new, even for an, an ancient institution like, yeah. like the University of Oxford. So that was super exciting. So after a year, because those courses are a 12-month program, Mm -hmm. um, I still had another year of my scholarship remaining, but I didn't know what I wanted to study. And so I I said, well, let me come home Mm -hmm. and suspend for two years. So I put everything on hold. I had my MBA, freshly minted MBA. And... um, you know, I, I gave a call to the, to the minister to see, you know, what's going on. Right. So um, he said, well, we just formed an institution that we had been talking about before I left, which was called the Financial Sector Adjustment Company. And this is a company that's going to restructure all of these financial sector institutions that the government took over. Mm-hmm. And so um, give the the CEO a call Mm -hmm. and see if, you know, they need anybody over there. 
So, um, yeah, I went, I came back. FinSAC was just staffing up, so the, the timing was, was excellent. And um, it, there were so many institutions, several banks, insurance companies. Um, you know, this was at the, the height of the, the government bailouts yes. of a number of institutions. And so um, FinSAC, as it was called for short, was formed. And this was another very um, important institution in the history of, of, of Jamaica. Lots of critique about it, whether yes. it should have been done that way or not. But no one really knew what to do because it had never been done. Right. And in a sense, FinSAC was modeled after the Resolution Trust organization in the U.S. after a similar crisis. Yeah. And, and that was the approach the government chose to, to take at the time. So again, just a lot of learning, um, you know, actually going into some of these institutions and working along with the staff to, to prepare those entities for private investment again. Yes. And having to close down some aspects of the business um, or even just to maintain the, the operations, you know? So I was like a, a banker sometimes, and then I was a, a life insurance expert sometimes. And, you know, then I was writing speeches sometimes, and then I was doing um, forensic investigations sometimes. Wow. And in fact, I ended up in a unit at FinSAC, which was called the, the, I think it was called the Forensic and Prosecutorial Unit because there was, there was a whole um, initiative to pursue the, these assets yeah. and, 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 and regain them. So that was just an amazing learning experience again. Of course. And, and, and I've been and really lucky to have those experiences throughout my career. So that was awesome. Yes. But, you know, I, I find it really interesting that um, I find that a lot of places when they go through a crisis, instead of they become more closed in because that fear takes over and they're like, oh, we've gone through this hard time. Let's make sure that nothing like this happens again. And I feel like that didn't really happen to Jamaica. There was a lot of learning, but Jamaica remained very open, very, um, very sort of exciting, very, very open to taking chances. The market remained open. It's, it's an easy place for, it's, it probably has the, the best ease of doing business in the Caribbean, you know, easy for people to come in and start a business. And that's really interesting that that, that was the impact, that it didn't, it didn't cause everyone to close everything down despite the fact that there was a financial collapse. What would you attribute that to? Well, I think speaking for my countrymen and women, it has to do with a, 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 an appetite that we have. Mm -hmm. right a, a hunger that we have inside to to succeed yeah and that means taking on more risk yeah you know so i would say there are jamaicans who have lost fortunes many times many over. times over yeah and and people would call it gambling <laughs> <laughs> but i would i wouldn't say so it, it has to do with that desire to to move from one generation to the next further. So yeah. th there's just a desire, um, you know, it's a generalization, but definitely yeah. a desire 
among Jamaicans really to progress. Yeah. And, and that means that money is just not something to have there and, and, sit and do look nothing. at it. Yeah. But you have mm-hmm. to look for opportunities to grow that pie. Yeah. And, and sometimes it means that um, you, you, you may take the risk of, of loss. Yeah. And so, and so yes, that, that desire remained at an individual level. In terms of a policy level, um, you know, we have been an open society for a long time. We were used to having investment in bauxite. We were used to having investment in the tourism industry. And, and this really opened up the, the financial sector and, and there was a liberalized economy, yeah. you know, and a push towards liberalization at that time. At that time. Um, you know, and so we did see quite a lot of investment at a number of, of um, Caribbean institutions coming in. Sajikor came into the insurance sector. Mm-hmm. And, and we also saw um, a number of, of Trinbagonian companies coming into to Jamaica and investing at that time as well, yeah. which I think is good. You know, we, we haven't seen the reverse as much. Yes. Now, you know, we're seeing NCB and others coming in, GMB yeah, and others coming yeah. here yeah. to TT. But um, at that time, the, the strongest economy, I would say at the time, would have been um, Trinidad and Tobago, followed yeah. by perhaps Barbados and, and Bahamas at the time. And, and many, many entities did come in and invest. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we couldn't rest on our, be proud about it and say, oh, no, you can't come because, um, you know, you're Everything not from Jamaica. Everything is for us, yes. We, we had to, we had to, because yeah. the, the capital influx and the, the influx of experience yeah. and knowledge was required at the time. Okay, so then you leave FinSAC now, and then where do you go? Right, mm, this is really now stretching my, my um, memory a bit. <laughs> Actually, I think I went back to the Ministry of Finance for a year because okay. there was a, a change in the, the, the minister's advisor at that time. Mm-hmm. And we worked on a lot of interesting stuff at that time as well. Okay. Um, you know, we were liberalizing the sugar industry and, mm. and some other very important things with Air Jamaica and things like that, yeah. which is no more, but mm. <clears throat> um, really interesting things. I went back there for a year and then I went back to do a master's in economic and social history. Wow. Which was mainly to write about the FinSAC story. And I wrote it all down. I wrote, I wrote down everything that I, I learned in, in, in FinSAC. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it was good because mm. it, it was a record and other students have come and asked for the dissertation that I wrote and, and, and use that information to, 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 um, to, learn to, feed, to feed their own research, you know, oh. so it's been good. Oh, fantastic. All right. So then how did you end up at IDB? Right. So, um, Coming back to, to Jamaica again, and, and let me tell you, Raquel, I had no intention of ever leaving Jamaica. I mean, I love Jamaica. It's my spirit home. Um, I had no intention. <laughs> <laughs> no desire to like 
jump. Spread wings and go anywhere. No, no, I was quite happy. I was fine. Um, so I, I went back home as I had intended. <laughs> and um, I, I did some work. Oh, I know what happened. The, the person who was the head of my unit at FinSAC mm -hmm. was a Canadian, very experienced insurance um, manager, was, was hired out of FinSAC to be the head of um, Sajikor Life of Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you put your feelers out. Right. And she said, yes, I need help over here. You know, okay. and we, were, we knew each other very well because we had worked together before. And so um, this began, I think, my, my definition of myself as a project manager by profession, mm -hmm. because I, I had a role there called the manager of special projects, uh, which in a sense is what I had always been doing, right? Because yeah. I keep describing all these eclectic type of right. these activities, from right? One thing to another doing, thing, yeah. Right. Yeah. But I never knew that this is what it was called. Yes. You know, I had I didn't know that <laughs> until at the time, you know, I went and did my my um, project management professional certification, and I realized this really it was a light went on yes. went on, and then I realized that this is what you're doing. You're really doing yes. project management. Yes, and all and of the things are falling under that umbrella. Yeah, right, and then you know. And yeah, and then to the yeah. the keeping those relationships and and always being willing to sort of reach out to a former boss that is also serving you very very well because it's almost like this, this unbroken chain you know you you reach out to minister of finance and he's like wait a minute they're doing this and then you're working yeah. for this person and you reach out to her what's happening there and so this is how yeah. you're sort of absolutely climbing the, climbing the absolutely ladder. i feel like every job has been like that and and just bear in mind my parents <clears throat> you know my father worked for a family-owned business all his career what was he doing um, so he was working at National Bakery Company mm -hmm. um, and he was a sales manager and then he, he um, rose in the organization to do various things, right? Mm -hmm. But he wasn't like integrated with the financial sector. And I, I, you know what, I didn't say my father called somebody and got me yes, a job. Yes, like, yes. I called <laughs> because this is like my network. So my parents didn't know any of these people, right? right. So this, this is like, I'm in, I'm in a job and I knew people from these jobs. And then that helps me to my next right. uh, opportunity. Yes. So and it's always about working those links and making sure that you're not burning any bridges and you know absolutely. understanding that this job is going to lead to the next job. So not only do you do it well, but you you sort of keep your eyes open as you're doing absolutely. the job. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And so I guess my first foray outside of Jamaica to work came at at Sajikor. Ah. So I went to Barbados for several months to work on the merger of Life of Barbados and, and Sajikor. Ah. Um, or Barbados Mutual and Life of Barbados became Sajikor. I think that's what it was. Mm -hmm. But we had a whole project there. Um, I went to Bahamas to work on the rebranding of the, the agency there. And I did work in, in Sajikor, Jamaica as well. And so 
lots began to have some Caribbean experience outside of, of, of Jamaica. Um, after a while, I thought, you know, let me try to do something else. Yeah. And I started to, to look at opportunities in um, international development. Actually, sure. a job came up at the Canadian International Development Agency at the time. But I think that that's what happens to a lot a lot of us eh, is that we get we get comfortable and complacent in one place, and when we've learned all that there is for us to learn, and we've done all there is for us to do, we still somehow stay, and that is almost the the the, the sort of kiss of death of 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 um, ambition because it means that yes you're comfortable yes you're doing a great job yes you are well appreciated where you are but you have to realize that. Um, if you're thinking about your career and your life in a bigger picture, you have to start thinking about, okay, I'm doing this now. I've learned a lot of stuff here. What's the next, what's the next challenge? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you have to be a little bit brave, right? Yes, because, yes, yes. You know, I, I, or willing to do it scared. Yes. And, and also, you know, if you're not where you want to be, yeah. then you, opportunities may come but you have to step you know you yeah. have to take a step out yes. for the opportunity to meet you where you are yes and I think I and, find and it, I did look for that I find for I me for I find job. for me you know even when I'm scared if I think about what is the worst thing that could happen like okay no one's gonna die so that you know so we'll eliminate that as a possibility okay so I I, I go for it and I can't do it well then find something else yeah you know it's just like figuring out when I ask myself, like if I'm scared, what is the worst that could happen? And you're like, okay, so skydiving, only 1% of, you know, less than 1% of the people yeah. die. Okay, so maybe it's not so dangerous. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, I'm not doing skydiving, not doing skydiving. You're not coming but with me? You're no. not coming with me? Sorry. <laughs> no bungee jumping, all that stuff. No. No, I find bungee jumping. But I get the points. <laughs> I got the points. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I do agree. I think, you know, you definitely want to step out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And and when you do, that's when you're growing. Yeah, yeah. And it's uncomfortable. It has to be. It's uncomfortable in the beginning. You're like, oh, what have I done? And um, but then you you start learning stuff, and you're like, oh my gosh, I did. This is a whole new world that I didn't know existed, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I I mean I was so I jumped out. I made the leap. And I was actually working on a grant program for strengthening public sector institutions. So we were okay. doing projects with, with the public sector again. You know, so having gone private sector, mm -hmm. this was like an international agency working with the local public sector. And, and how that job ended is, is interesting because I had a change of supervisor and the new supervisor just did not like me at all. Oh. Okay. It, how is that possible? Just, how is I don't that know. possible? You know, I, I, <laughs> I don't even know how this is possible. But for some reason, you know, it was, that was what it was. And so we just came to the end of the contract and I didn't ask her to renew it. And she didn't offer. <laughs> and, and again, uh -huh. and again. I called some people I'd worked with before. Yes. And somebody I'd worked with at in the public sector said, you know, IDB is looking for people. Okay. 
IDB is looking for people. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And she sent my resume over to the IDB. Uh-huh. And they called me in for an interview. And they said, when can you start? Can you start tomorrow? Can you start what? next week? And I was like, yeah, I'm free, free as a bird. <laughs> <laughs> so that must have been a really and good it, interview. And it was really, it, it was stressful because, you know, it's not like I left, I had another job. I didn't right. have another job lined up. And I only started to ask maybe in the last month because it was, I was near to the end of the contract and the new supervisor came maybe two months before okay. the end. Okay. So I didn't have much time to prepare. So how long were you and without a job in that period? Not, no time at all. That's what okay. I'm saying. It was like <laughs> one week to the next. Just unbelievable, really. Oh, and, and, you know, I mean, I was still doing other things. So right. all along, you know, the project that we met on, yes. I was doing that project and I was doing consulting work. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that, that I used to do a lot <clears throat> was actually business process re-engineering. So okay. one of the things that was, was in demand, I don't know if it still is, but at that time was to really map out processes yes. and, and re-engineer them and, and redraw those again. Yeah. And I did a lot of that for a number of companies in Jamaica. Fabulous. And there was also a, a consulting firm where I would support strategic planning mm -hmm. in, in businesses. So I was very busy all the time. Great. Yeah. But my, my full-time job was left, you know, and I really didn't know what would be next. Yeah. And, and here I am in the IDB more than 10 years later. It's, it's just amazing. Nice. nice. And working through, you know, so what did you start as at an IDB? Right. So I was in the multilateral investment fund in the, in the precursor to IDB lab. Okay. And it was a switch because I was working with public sector agencies, mm -hmm. um, designing grants for them. And this was now designing grants for the private sector. Yeah. But again, just an opportunity to work with a, a number of different entities and, and design a project, which would be fulfilled in a, a two to three year period. Okay. And you could see the changes, you could see the impact. Yeah. Um, okay. So again, a super exciting, super exciting time. So tell me, tell me two things. What's the best advice you ever received? And um, what kind of leader are you? Right. So <laughs> the best advice I ever received was <clears throat> after many years, not many years, maybe three years at the IDB. Mm -hmm. um, my boss asked me to go to Washington, D.C. as the advisor for the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned I had no intention of leaving Jamaica, right? I was very <laughs> happy there. <laughs> no desire to leave. Yes. But, you know, this opportunity came. Yes. And a friend of mine said, you have to do it because you're too comfortable where you are. Mm. And because you're scared, that's why you have to do it. Wow. So when you feel that little, you know, the butterflies in your stomach and, and you're nervous and an opportunity is there, 
to me that that's the answer should be yes that's the sign that's the <laughs> I sign mean, your your body might not be telling you yes yes <laughs> but um that thing that feels like fear is excitement yeah. Yeah. and, and uh, it's fear and excitement <laughs> yes but you you won't grow unless you unless you take that leap yeah. you have to leap Wow. And you know, it's so funny. A, a, a friend of mine um, who's at IDB actually in DC posted something almost identical talking about, you know, she was afraid of flying and she just didn't, you know, she, she didn't want to, to leave and go anywhere. And this, this fear that she was facing turned out to be the best opportunity, just jumping on it. And it's so yeah. funny. So clearly yeah, this absolutely. is like, this was a friend of yours, <laughs> but this is like IDB, IDB base you know yeah i guess so (laughs) go in go in no matter how scared you are just just go for it all right and And, what kind of leader are you and i've heard some i've heard some great stories but i'd like to hear what you think all right so i have to be honest because i know that some of my team members are gonna like you know (laughs) tune in and say okay huh what like the good fairy I only... <laughs> you know I'm wonderful and yeah but I am I am a very demanding leader I'm a demanding leader but I also believe in the concept of servant leadership okay so I I'm a scrum master so so scrum is an agile um, project management technique a framework mm-hmm. Um, for project management and it's based almost completely on the on the concept of servant leadership Mm -hmm. so this is you know flat lots of consultation people's opinions have equal weight Mm -hmm. and my job is to serve you by clearing impediments and empowering you to get the job done. Okay. On the other side, I'm going to ask you for a little more than you might otherwise have given if I didn't ask you to go further. I'm okay. always asking for a little bit. <laughs> Pushing the arm with A little bit more. Uh-huh. Because I think that often we limit ourselves, you know, we yes. think, okay, wow, there's nothing I can't. Yes. I, there's nothing I can do. You know, something yeah. happened and there's nothing I can do. Yes. There is something you can there's do. There's always something you can do. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, the, I, event, I feel you. the event or whatever it is, is tomorrow. Yeah. And oh, how are we going to do this? To, and, and I'll be like, we can do it. We can do it. I'm going to give you everything you need and you're going to do it. Yes. Fabulous. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm demanding, but I'm also, um, a coaching servant leader who makes it possible for those demands to be met. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I also hear that you're very caring. You're very caring. And so people feel cared for and looked after and they deeply respect you. I'm and you're glad, I'm glad they're saying that. Yes. <laughs> I'm just saying that's what that's what's going through the grapevine right now. <laughs> I'm glad they're saying that. Absolutely. Um, you know, but but honestly, um, in in our team, we we really have 
high standards, we strive for excellence. Yeah. You know, there's a certain IDB feeling, you know, we want this thing to reflect a, yeah. an IDB standard. Yeah. And, and we definitely see ourselves as ambassadors, as leaders in the areas in which we work. And so we, we try to put that special touch on it. And, and so that's what the demands are about. It's not really about working late at night and all that, because I, I don't care about that. I, it's, yeah. you know, working long hours doesn't matter to me. We agree on something yeah. plus. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, you know, I give you lots of space. Yeah. And <clears throat> try to clear all the blockages and, and really empower people to, to perform. And, and I think I've seen where, where people who have taken the leap with me to work in that way have really grown and, yeah. and thrived. And surprised themselves, I'm sure. Absolutely. You know, like, yeah, I, I never thought that that was possible. <laughs> and then lo and behold, I here I am. Or they say, they say, Karina, I didn't see it. You know, I didn't see it. <laughs> I didn't see it, but here we are. Here and then are. afterwards, um, you have to take some time for rest and, and self-care. So, you know, I, I definitely try when we've done something really intense. Yes. You know, we have intense moments, I guess, as there will be in any any job. Yeah. Where, you know, we've we've just done a big event, for example, last weekend. And, and I know the team is tired. So this week we're kind of keep things kind of low-key yeah especially for those who were who were leading leading the charge you know yeah so you need that you need to to give people a chance to rejuvenate recharge get some thinking time yeah yeah um one of the things we we've tried this came from from our regional manager at the time yeah is is a day called quiet wednesdays uh-huh I mean, I haven't done it for a while because I keep on having meetings on Wednesday. But we really try to keep a day of the week clear. Of course. Oh, that's a, such a good. That's such a good idea. Just to think and plan. To do and the work. I mean, do whatever we, you want. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Meetings, or it's yeah. just meetings, morning till yeah. night meetings. Yeah. And then you don't get any time to actually do the work. I yeah. love that idea. What yeah. was it? I think um, it was Virgin. They used to have this kind of detox. A digital detox and you had to like specify when you were going to have a digital detox so you couldn't not your phone not your email not anything and you just took some time yeah. you did anything that allowed you to digitally detox and it's great yeah absolutely it's 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 wonderful so we try not to have meetings on that day okay um and use that time to 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 think you know yeah which yeah. is super important fabulous Fabulous. Well, Karina, thank you so much for joining me. And thank wow. You for Are we done already? This is so fast. <laughs> no, and for sharing okay. your fantastic journey with me and sure. with us. I know that, um, that somebody's going to learn something from this. I certainly did. And I really thank you for sharing this time with us. Thank you so much. And if you haven't already subscribed, please like and subscribe and listen. And, you know, we're following our, our steady growth. And I'm really excited about um, the feedback that we've been getting. Thank you so much. If there's something that you'd like to recommend or someone that you'd like to recommend, please do so below. Thank you and goodbye. Mm -hmm.